This morning, I am calling what we say in football is an audible. In other words, the, the scripture passage that you see in your bulletin, the scripture passage you see, well, on the screen, and the sermon will be changed today. Uh, when I look at who is here today, when I look at what the Lord has placed upon my heart as I was thinking the last couple of days, um, this morning, God just placed it upon my heart to change the message. Our passage today, if you have your Bibles with you or your cell phones, uh, today will be Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. A note or a letter of joy and encouragement to this church. This is from the English Standard Version. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May the Lord bless us all in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. What a joy it is to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And if anything else, Paul reminds us in this letter how important it is to have affections, for one another. How important it is to have good feelings for each other. And before you accuse me of being too wishy-washy or accuse me of being a little bit too flighty, let's look at what this passage says and what this passage encourages. Because we have to understand that feelings, emotions, affections are not bad 
things are not things to suppress over against, over against knowledge, over against wisdom, but that the Lord has given us emotions as a way that we connect to one another, love one another, and encourage each other. We see this in everyday life. If you are in the business world and you are trying to connect with your customer, what do we usually do? We, we tell a joke. Because for some reason, if you're able to laugh together, even a small chuckle, there's a connection. You break the ice. There's a feeling that like you are on the same side. But we've all had the, those experiences where you try to make someone laugh and don't laugh, and you know, I'm in trouble. I am in trouble. This is going to take me a little bit longer to get to where I need to get to. It is why Jesus always commands us that we laugh with one another, rejoice with one another, and weep with one another. Because when our hearts are connected emotionally over what is true and lovely and beautiful and what is sad and destructive, our relationships with one another grows. And Paul here in this letter is showing us an example of what it looks like to emote in a way that is honorable to God, to emote in a way that brings about encouragement, to emote in a way that later on brings about true words of grace towards one another. Because when we connect in a way that the gospel wants us to connect, the words that follow will be words of truth, words that encourage, words that push us forward to know the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing Paul does here is he gives thanksgiving. And he gives thanksgiving to the church in Philippi, to every single person because of their partnership in the gospel, nothing else. It is their partnership in the gospel that he gives thanks for, that they are contending for the faith together, nothing else, not their gender, not where they're from, not what special gifts that he might have, but the fact that they are in it together to make God's name known is what connects him to this church. And we know that Paul feels this connection. Why? Because the church in Philippi had sent an emissary to him in prison to bring about supplies, to bring about fellowship, to simply sit with him, to rejoice with him that the gospel is going forth, that he's sharing the, the truth of who Jesus is with, 
with, with the guards who are around him, to perhaps even lament that he's sort of constrained. But either way, you could sort of picture Paul rejoicing with these people who've come, who are sharing the gospel together in emotions overflowing. The first true words that come from this connection of thanksgiving and sharing with the gospel is that he is confident that the one who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it. That's the first thing that comes to his mind. I'm sure he was thankful for the provisions. I'm sure he was thankful for their fellowship. But when he saw those people, one of the things that popped up in his mind that that he was thankful for, the words of encouragement is simply, you know, I know that the Lord who loves you and saved you, who is ever close to you, that no matter how difficult our persecution is, no matter how difficult this Christian walk is with the Lord, he'll be able to complete your salvation, that one day you will be before the Lord and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is a lesson that we as a church can learn from. That we need to see one another not simply as as friends. We're more than friends, are we not? We are simply more than someone that we can sort of share our lives with. Surely we are more than that. We are partners in making the gospel known to one another into this world. And when you do that, the words of affirmation that the Lord gives you, the words of, of, of encouragement that the Lord gives you is about God's kingdom and God's love for the person you are with. I was at a meeting a couple of weeks ago with Mission to the World and we were sharing sort of our, our dreams for missions. And I shared with them that one of my dreams is that in missions to the world, that we would have three or four different churches go together. And it would look like this. We would have some people who were from an Asian descent, some people from southern white descent, some people from Hispanic and the, the black community or denomination. And send about three or four people and that we would just all go together and, and do the work of the gospel. And in that partnership, that we would look at one another and see that what binds us together is stronger than what sets us apart. And then our words would no longer be, we're different, but our words would be, one day the Lord will say to all of us, well done. And one of my colleagues is a, is a pastor of, of a church up, up north. He, he said to me, Pastor Young, we we went to this Indian reservation and we were a bunch of 
people from northern Georgia and were, were pretty white. And we took some youth kids up to his Indian reservation. There was another church, a Korean church that came, and the Korean kids were there, and, and they, they mixed well. And, and as we were ministering to one another, the, the thing that his church was blessed by was by having fellowship with someone different and knowing they worship the same God. So even for us, our goal is, has to always be twofold. One is within this context here. Do you rejoice in one another? Are you able to encourage one another with one day God will say, I'm pleased with you. And let me tell you, I believe myself that the one who started the good work here at CCPC will be faithful to complete it. And I know that each and every one of you, by the power of God and his spirit, as you contend for the gospel together, God will give you these good words. And God will give you the joy that you so desperately are searching for in other places. And we as a church need to share this joy together, contend with the gospel together, not simply within this one context, but with other churches, other people who follow the Lord, that he may be glorified and that our joy may expand even more. This is Paul's heart. Can you hear it resonating, perhaps, your own heart? Secondly, Paul says how he loves the church with the affection of Christ Jesus. And he claims that he has the right to do it. That this isn't some willy-nilly thing that he himself needs to sort of prove himself to have the right to say, I love you with the affection of Christ Jesus. But his confidence comes from knowing that God is at work in all of us. And he recognizes rightly that the affection he has for the church in Philippi does not come from himself. We're not trying to work up in ourselves. Man, I, I need to learn how to love this guy. Okay, let's see what I like about him. Maybe with all the pluses, all the minuses. Let's just focus on the pluses. And let's, 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 let's have a good relationship with this person. That's what Paul's saying. Paul nowhere in his letter sort of goes through a person and says, let me figure out why I should like this person. Let me figure out why I should have affection for this person. He doesn't say any of that. That's the world that speaks. That's your own flesh and desire that speaks. And as many of you know, the measure you use will be the measure used against you. And so the more you look in this church 
to fellowship with only those that you like. the more resentment you're going to have for this church and for yourself. That's just what happens. I've seen it happen many times. I know you have seen it happen many times. One of the saddest things I've ever, one of the most, the, the, Discouraging is not the right word, but the one was the saddest thing that happens to me as a pastor is when I see someone fall out of love with church and out of love with Christ. Their affections, they want to be wanted, they want to belong, and those are things that God has placed in their hearts. But what they can, when they can't find what they want, what happens? All you see around you are just the bad things. You never see the good things that God is doing. If you try to love one another with your own affections, you will fail. If you try to love one another with your own affections, it... it it falls into contentment and resentment of the church. And ultimately contentment and resentment, if I can say this, of your own faith. But Paul's affection does not come from there. It doesn't. His affection comes in Christ Jesus. I love you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I love you in Christ. I love you according to what Christ has done in me and what Christ is doing in you. This is what bonds us together. It's not my power to love you. It's not my own affections to love you. It's what Christ has done in me and the love I have received. That is the love I love you with. And that love is an infinite love that can never, ever fail. And it's what enables us to love people who we don't like. To love people who we have divergent opinions with. To love people in a way that honors God and honors one another. I love hearing stories of people who come from different parts of the world who learn to love one another simply because of Christ. In this day and age where everyone has their, their own identity, where identity politics is sort of the way that this culture speaks nowadays, where basically identity politics has gone to the point where the only thing left really is the individual. Because everyone belongs to multiple groups and if you belong to multiple groups, eventually you just simply belong to a group of one yourself. In a world like that, how much more can we share and show the gospel by saying that in our diversity, what unites us is our affection for the Lord Jesus Christ.
brothers and sisters. There are a couple of things we can learn again. One is within our church and one is without. Within our church, love one another, not with your affections, not with your heart, but with the heart of Christ. So go to Jesus first and receive his love. Remember who he is and what he has done for you. Remember how immense his love for you is. Remember that he himself will never, ever forsake you. And as you bask in that unconditional, infinite love, go and do likewise for one another. Love generously. Forgive quickly. Forget quickly as well. Move towards one another, not away from each other. In the affection of Christ Jesus. Yes, go get coffee together. Yes, go eat together. But may it be so under under the rubric of Jesus needs to be the center of our conversation that we need to pray for one another during this time, that we cannot simply talk about sports or other people or politics, but we need to talk about the kingdom and the joy set before us. And this is why his prayer is very simple. He prays that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, and so that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, this is not only the, in the church, but outside of the church. God wants us, as we continue our affections towards him, that our love for all people will continue to grow and grow and grow. We're not here to simply say, Lord, help us to simply put up with one another. That's not the gospel message. Jesus is not going to cross to say, I'm dying on the cross just so that you guys can sort of get along. Jesus died on the cross so that your love and generosity may continue to abound more and more and more. For the sign of a Christian, and Paul knows this, is that when we are before the Lord on that day of judgment, that our hearts, when our hearts will be exposed, that the world would see, that God would see, that our, our love for each other indeed was pure and blameless, indeed was covered by the blood of Jesus, Indeed, that we ourselves, in prayer and repentance, in dependence of God, chose love rather than hate, chose love rather than status quo, chose to grow rather than to shrink. And this is the prayer that goes forth when we ourselves in our emotions because of what God has done for us are united together 
when we were able to share tears together, rejoice together because we're doing gospel work together, our prayer is what? Lord, I've seen my love grow for people I never saw. Help me to grow more. Help this person to grow more. Help us to grow more. And let our joy multiply. So for all of you, if your love has grown cold to the Lord, if you've forgotten, God's still here. And I'm confident, the scripture is confident, you are partners in the gospel with one another and with me. He'll complete the work in you that he started. So if you sense your heart being tugged and pulled by the Lord, if the frequency of God's spirit is resonating with your heart, listen and obey, please. And then second, if you have problems loving people, we all do. If you, started, if you have started to shut people out, if you started to sort of put a fence around you of who gets to come in and who is not allowed in, ask God to destroy those fences and let the flood and rush of people come in. I know it's scary for some of you. <laughs> and love with the affection of Christ. Love with the resources that Christ has given you. And our joy will abound. Do you know that the Holy Spirit has bound you with Jesus? And Jesus cries with every tear that you cry. And Jesus rejoices with every victory that you have in him. Do you know that not only is he bonded to you by what we call the justification by faith, but he's bound to you as a person and he feels with you. God knows who you are and God seeks not to give you a sterile faith. God wants to give you a faith with emotions. I pray, and he is working in us as well, that we will be people who weep when we need to weep for the gospel. We rejoice when we're supposed to rejoice for the gospel. That our words of encouragement, our prayers for one another would be full of emotion for the gospel. God will do this. We simply listen, follow, submit, and let God do what he'll do anyway. I'm very fond of saying God will finish this work in you. Either you'll be dragging, he'll drag you and you'll go kicking and screaming 
Why do that? Well, he does that for you because he loves you. But why go through that? Instead, just follow, obey. However he's trying to change you, however difficult the path may be, he is the good father who knows what you need. And in the end, we will have nothing left but love and joy. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we worship you today. There is no one like you. No one. And Father, we confess today, Lord, that our, our hearts are, are tired. I don't know how else to say this. That for many of us, our emotions are just not in line with you. That when we hear people ask the question, how are you, or how is your heart, or how are you feeling, we really don't even have an answer to that. Because we don't know how we're supposed to feel. How are we supposed to respond to this world around us? But you in your graciousness, through scripture and through your spirit, have given us the template of who we are. How we were meant to feel. What we are meant to rejoice in. What we are meant to be sorrowful in. And so, Lord, help us to realign our emotions. That when we weep, we may weep just well, cry loudly, shed tears loudly. That when we rejoice, that we may sing from the top of our lungs. Oh, Lord, for the gospel that we have received. Forgive us for being lukewarm in all things trying to guard our hearts. But instead, Lord, we release our hearts to you today, once again. For we desire you to know you. Do what you need to do in us, Lord God. May your love abound and bound in each and every one of us that we may be pure and blameless on that day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.